the silent generations You send our hearts to die alone in foreign nations They may return to us as tiny drops of rain But we will still remain Hello, Field Podcast audience. We hope your January and New Year are off to a great start. We are back here this week with another part in our mashup series of our season one um, talking points. And we're going to combine a couple of talking points into one this week because we feel like they really feed off of each other very well. So this week's mashup is going to be how to prioritize self-care in your life and what that looks like for each person, as well as our rapid fire questions that we had at the end of each interview, which include name five activities that nourish you and five words on how you want to feel the next six months. That just really felt like it went naturally and organically with prioritizing self-care. So you're going to get all of those in this week's mashup series. Um, We hope it encourages you on your own self-care journey and making that a priority in your life. And we, um, Hope that you enjoy the content and have a great week. I was a high woman and a mother from my youth. For my children, I did what I had to do. Um, So, Kaylee, we're going to start out with how do you prioritize self-care in your life? And what does that look like for you? Well, um, that's a great question. I would say for me, as far as prioritizing, I exercise for me is a big deal. Um, part of that is because I have, I often deal with insomnia and if I don't exercise, I don't sleep. So I exercise. Uh, That's a great (laughs) motivator. (laughs) So that it is a great motivator. And so I do really, it's a really high priority for me to get, to get exercise. So that's, and I, I think once I figured out how much that helped me, Mm. you know, um, I would say, I mean, so since my kids were little, you know, even when they were little, I, I put exercise pretty high up, um, so that's one of the ways that I prioritize self-care. And then I try to always have some time during the day that I can um, be by myself and try to spend time. Usually for me, it's spending time with God. And and it could be through just being quiet with God. It could be praying. It could be reading my Bible, you know, but um, anything like that. So I try both of those things are pretty high on my list of of self of of what I would consider. That's kind of what I need to get through the day. And sometimes of course they get pushed to the side, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but I would say consistently, I keep those two things are real, really consistent in my life. So kind of your non-negotiables, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I got one. (laughs) You're doing a lot of things. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay. We are down to our rapid fire name five activities that nourish you. All right. Well, I, um, I've talked about this a lot, but time with God, I think, um, being outside. So for me, mm-hmm. any, I, I love gardening. I, I just, I love to be outside. So running yeah. outside, walking outside, anything outside. I love to do, unless mm-hmm. it's really windy and there's a dust storm. And then I don't. <laughs> in Lubbock. In Lubbock. I love it. That's I a regular problem in the spring. <laughs> That's right. But right now it's really nice. It's nice. <laughs> to yes. be outside. That's right. Um, I, time with my, my family, especially like around meals. I really love that 
just talking around the table is one of my favorite, one of my favorite things. Um, reading a good book. I really, I love to read a good book. So that's something that nourishes me. And then, um, time, time with good friends. So again, often centered around food. But also, yeah, or, or going on a walk or something like that, you know, so yeah. that's nourishing to me yeah. also. All right. And five words on how you want to feel the next six months. I know. Well, that was a, that's, that's a harder one for me. How do I want to feel? I was, <laughs> Going back to a few minutes ago. I know, that's right. right. I thinking about feeling. Um, I was thinking, so I want to feel content. That's something I'm, that can be hard yeah. sometimes to feel content. So I want to feel content. I want to feel peaceful. I want to feel uh, joyful. I want to feel, um, satisfied. And I think that means just satisfied that, that I'm doing the things that I should do and not, and, but not striving, you know, because striving is probably something that I am more likely to feel. And I, but that's not something I really am trying to not be someone who's, who strives so much and who is more, um, more satisfied. So yeah. I think that's four, but, but, but I like that though. That's really, I like the striving piece because I think that one is really, that's a struggle for a lot of us. It's a, it's a struggle for me and kind of noticing that what's that difference and, and kind of yeah. working that out. Yeah. So what does a take care of yourself regime look like for you? What is nurturing for you? What feels you? Oh, like? I love quality time with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it is important to me to get out and be with my girlfriends and to be able to have those conversations with them and to reflect on all of the seasons of our life right now and what's happening. And, um, that's a big one for me is getting time with them. Um, working out. I, if I could manage to do it every day, I would, but it's definitely a treat when it gets squeezed in somewhere, but growing up, I was always a runner. And so running was a big part of my life and, um, carving out time to like get outside and go for a run is definitely a way that I can recharge myself and kind of focus all my thoughts and clear my head a little bit. And, um, it's, it is even almost like a spiritual thing for me is getting out and like, I'm alone. I'm alone with my thoughts. I'm outside. And it just gives me kind of time to really work through and process whatever has been going on for the past few days. And so trying to squeeze that in is definitely a big one. Yeah. And then the last, last one, not in any specific order, but (laughs) uh, time with Aaron is also a really big um, thing that it's taken us a long time to really realize how important that time for the two of us is and how that really affects the whole dynamic of our family when we are in a good place and communicating and happy. And that takes time for just the two of us yeah, to really absolutely. make all of that work. 
And I think you guys do a good job of that. I, cause I get to, you know, kind of observe you from afar. I mean, you just had a weekend together last weekend and I did, but, but it is intentional. It is a purposeful thing. It's not something I think that comes naturally. I mean, that's something that Brady and I too decided early on, especially when he was traveling a lot. And, and Aaron definitely has seasons where he travels a lot and you're very busy in Spokane with your stuff, but you know, you have to like, you like Brady and I are like, okay, every, when he was traveling on every three to four months, I would go on a trip with him and we were lucky that we had resources. Kids were young, but we had helpers. We had family that could help us, but we had to make that a priority. Absolutely. And you have to, you know, and you guys do that really well. And you, and I, so I want to, I want to say that that busyness is not an excuse people. There's no one busier than this woman and her, and her husband, but they still make time for it. So it's a difference. Yeah. Deciding to continue to date my husband after 12 years of marriage is a big deal. And yeah, it's amazing how we can have a few weeks where you just kind of feel like roommates and you're just kind of living in the same space and surviving parenthood and taking care of these kids and all the things. And, you know, I'll say, we got to get, we got to get a sitter. We got to get out tonight and just to be able to sit and have a conversation and reconnect. It just, it's amazing how fast it recharges and brings such a reminder as to how much we love each other and how important we are to each other rapid fire for you. And we've talked about these. So this will kind of be a wrap up because we've talked about these activities throughout the podcast, but name five activities that nourish you. Um, Running, Mm -hmm. baking, time with my family, time with my husband, time with my friends. Awesome. Okay. And five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Oh boy. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel strong. I want to feel confident. Mm-hmm. I want to feel empowered. And I want to feel content. Mm, I like that. How to prioritize self-care in your life and what that looks like for you. Talk about your journey in that because it's been quite a journey. Yes, it definitely has been. Um, you know, I think in the season of raising children, it just looks a little different. You know, now, yeah. I'm, you know, my girls are now I have a 17 year old and a 15 year old. And, you know, now one is in boarding school, one still with us. And the way that it's worked is just, you know, as they have grown, they have evolved into doing things for themselves and then be just kind of seeing parenting a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as when they were little, I did everything for them. I was training them all the time, um, you know, cooking for them, washing clothes, you know, uh, I was working at the same time, you know, um, taking them to work with me. I'm a school teacher, so they would come to work with me. It was very, um, I was very involved, very engaged in all aspects of their lives. and. As they became teenagers, I found that my role changed a little bit because I was also trying to, I was involved, but also on the sidelines a little bit so that I can give them some space so that they could also, um, you know, find out who they are as well with me guiding them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my oldest is in boarding school. So then... So now I have time. I have time for, you know, for some reflection and taking care of myself. And how do I do that? You know, gee, I mean, right now, you know, I am involved in a lot of, you know, studies here on camp. Mm -hmm. Um, I 
I love getting to, there's a lot of uh, ladies from many different cultures where I live here in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. which is a huge blessing. And so I really enjoy getting to know people that just seems to be, it's, it's just a very nice thing for me to do, you know, mm-hmm. get to know the different cultures and that's how it, and also, you know, taking care of myself by exercising. Um, you know, I do a lot of journaling too, a lot of reading, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, just having alone time really also helps yeah. me to be more reflective. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. A rapid fire name five activities that nourish you. Prayer. Bible studies. I'm sorry, but they do. I, you know, know, exercising, you know, whether it's walking or cycling, Mm -hmm. dancing, and just spending one-on-one time with either my family, Eric, the girls, or just a good friend drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, that to me just seems to nourish my soul. It really does. Yeah. And of course I'm going to add it's a good book for yes. <laughs> six, you know, yeah. you know, again, it's kind of like, you know, I always find that um, having a good conversation with a good friend or even, you know, getting to know the layers of your, your family, your daughters, you know, your husband, you know, what they're thinking, how they're feeling. It's almost like reading a good book, right? So, yes. That's a so good analogy. I, yeah. I just love to just, you know, over a, you know, good, you know, cup of coffee or, you know, just even a smoothie, just sitting down and just being present in the moment. What mm. I really find that nourishes me. Uh, it just, I love to learn about people and situations. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm a lifelong learner. So it goes back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Some of my favorite moments are the most simple, just gathering with the girls and Brady and now Tim around a table and just talking and being together is just so listening yes yes and just hearing about their journey their story yeah 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 and learning about them and seeing their growth and just yes good stuff i'm I'm sure you you feel like you're in awe when you listen you know i listened to the podcast your girls and i was like wow i know i was so impressed by your girls oh thank you how much um, they know themselves it's so beautiful it is I know Brady and I were like, yes, we didn't scream up too like, much. <laughs> wow. I don't think I knew myself that well at that age. I mean, they're very um, yeah. self-aware and yeah. so reflective on what they know on, you know, on their boundaries and their, you know, yeah. when they, you know, their self-love. I, I just, I, I was impressed. I want my girls to listen to that. Yeah. So it's good for young people to listen to, you know, to yeah. be that grounded, that centered. Well, I think this generation is it, that generation is taking more ownership of that. Um, mm-hmm. They're just taking that. those things to another level. I've really observed it in them and a lot of their friends too. They're just like, life is more about doing you know X, Y, and Z, going to college, getting a degree, getting the job, making yes. the money, buying the house. And they're just that's so- how I what I gathered from listening. I feel like there's definitely more intention, which yes, you're not just going through the motion of you know I gotta you know like you said go down the list. Yeah, you're just being present in the moment and being intentional of what you're doing and, and really listening to yourself. Yeah, and how that makes you feel. That right there is huge. It's it very is. big. It yeah, is. yeah, so, it was, and it's yeah. very congratulations. Like, congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. I don't know how. I don't know how much we can own on that. Oh, and Brady needs to be so proud of that. I am just. I was just very uh, impressed. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It warms my heart. Okay, five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Um, 
accomplished. Um, you know, whether that means I've read more of the books that I have on my list, you know, or, you know, um, I'd like to start subbing here at the school that, mm-hmm. you know, that I put in the time, uh, accomplished that I feel like I've been able to help more people, more kids accomplished, you know, you know, feeling more intentional with my time. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that my time is being utilized the right way. That is yeah. just not wasted that we're not just being idle with our time, that we're, sure. you know, being intentional, um, you know, loved. <laughs> we yeah. all want to feel loved and appreciated, you mm-hmm. know, and um, just joyous, continued yes. joy, you know, just and, and grateful. That is huge. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and I think these are just ever growing. You, you just never accomplish those things anyways. I, I just just want to feel that, you know, that joy, that gratefulness for being here in the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you do such a good job of that. I mean, and I think that's what allows you to do all the things that you've done and live your life the way you do. Cause you're in an, you're in a new season now. Um, you know, with your oldest, you know, not in the house and, and you're still able to understand because of your grounding in, in the joy, in the gratefulness, in your faith, you're able to like, okay, new season. How do we find this, this in this new season? I love that about you. You Yeah. And it's uh, ironic, but you know, with Isabella being in boarding school, you know, one would think that, you know, that the parenting role decrease, you know, decreases or, but it doesn't, it's, no. it's still the same, you know, because we FaceTime every day. And yeah. even yesterday she got stuck in a little situation where she couldn't find a laundromat. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, it's just those little, it's just life lessons. <laughs> it was a teachable moment. I loved it. I was like, Oh my gosh, did it make you feel uncomfortable? Because if it did, that means it moved you to action. Yes. One of those teachable <laughs> moments. If it accomplished that, then that's all I needed. I mean, because you know, that's what we, you know, we feed them, we feed them, we feed them. Yeah. With, you know, so that they can launch one day. Yes. And, and it's just neat to be there side by side, even though I'm not presently there, but I'm sure. so thankful for technology that it allows us to be there with her yeah. and to help her, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just amazing. So, I mean, you know, having her not here, but at the same time being there makes me so happy because I've seen her just, you know, get out of her comfort zone. Mm. And I always say you got to get out of your comfort zone to, to learn, yeah. to, you know, you know, stretch yourself to change. Yeah. So I think this has been, this is a big stretch for her and for yeah. us too. Yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. And, and changes the dynamic, you know, whenever one leaves, it changes the dynamic in the house too. Um, all of a sudden the younger ones that aren't used to being the only ones or the, you know, and it changes that dynamic. So there's all that, but you still, you're, because of your foundation, you're just always able to find that space for joy and gratefulness. And I, I love that. And I think you have to, you have to be grateful. You have to, because, you know, I think it's, it's the the mind, (laughs) the mind can really take you to happy places or it can take you to areas that you don't want to go into. And I certainly, you know, I've seen people really struggle, you know, with, where they've allowed their minds to wander too. And I, I feel we have so much to be thankful for that, you know, it's, it's, it's a choice. You wake mm-hmm. up every morning and you make that decision. I am so thankful for everything. And, you know, once you practice that over and over, 
it just becomes a part of your life and who you are. It doesn't mean you're perfect, right? None yeah. of us are perfect. I mean, we have our days. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel a little bit grumpy. And I'm like, okay, snap out of it. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, the other day I was uh, helping Olivia clean our room and we came across all these pictures and I see pictures of Isabel and all of a sudden these emotions came out of me yeah. that I wasn't anticipating. Of course, you know, I just started crying because I'm lost and I missed her. I'm sure huh. you had those yeah. moments to when your girls first left and yeah. And I said, okay, that's okay. Sometimes we need, you know, these, you know, tears to clean out the wounds, you know. Absolutely. And oh, I'm I love okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay, but I'm gonna cry. It's okay, you know. And, yeah. and then I pick myself up again and you're like, okay. I'm so happy for you, Isabella. How are you doing? You know, and like I said, thank God for technology. If it wasn't yeah. for technology, I don't know necessarily how I would be doing it. You know, but yeah. The FaceTiming really does help. So I'm thankful to that. All the difference in the world. But I think you touched on something really important in that it's okay to cry and process those things through because if we don't process those things through, they get stuck. And it's okay. Yes, exactly. And it's okay okay to feel all those feelings because life is a a beautiful salad. Yeah. You want a good salad. Yes. A little bit of everything, you know, it's how boring if it was just only one way. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, so life absolutely. is made up of a little bit of everything and, That's, you know, everything in between sure. as well. <laughs> yeah, 100%. About how you prioritize self-care in your life and what that looks like, because you have to have some kind of a plan in place I would, to remain healthy and energized to do this work. Right. Well, what for me, faith matters. It makes such a difference in my everyday and who I am and and what, you know, I mean, every single day I wake up at four in the morning and mm-hmm. I make sure to meditate, pray and, mm-hmm. and prepare myself for the challenges of the day yeah. and the obstacles. So I think that's really important. It helps me. And, you know, something that I recently started is I got myself a, a new uh, treadmill mm-hmm. and as I'm on that treadmill, I thought, how am I going to, you know, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged from doing that kind of stuff. Absolutely. As, as I'm walking or doing my steps, I'm also um, praying the rosary. Mm. I am. a. I, I was raised a Catholic, although my um, mother, her father was a Spanish Jew. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I had a, I've had a little bit of variety in my, in my upbringing, but um, my Catholicism, my faith, this is not even about religion. It's about yeah. my faith. And I think that's what helps me to, to be a change agent and really press forward. Yeah. I love that word change agent. That is you in a nutshell. I love that to our rapid fire. So um, at the end here, as we wrap things up, name five activities that nourish you. The first one is talking with others. I love to communicate. I think that's so important. I love um, gardening. I love spending time with my family. That includes my pets because, you know, they're my little fur joys. (laughs) I love to enjoy nature. I think it's so important. And I love to take on issues that are going to be beneficial with the results for others. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's five. <laughs> yeah, yep, that is. Thank you so much. All right. And then lastly, five words on how you want to feel the next six months. I want to feel equity. Mm. I want to feel valued. I want to feel happiness all the time. Mm-hmm. I want to feel um, respected. Mm. 
and regarded. Mm. That's how I want to feel. Absolutely. All right. So let's start with prioritizing self-care in our lives. I would say for me coming into this relationship, I had zero concept of self-care outside of I was really, I I wanted to work out because it made me feel good. But even within that, I had a very unhealthy relationship in terms of I needed to work out to be as fit and thin and acceptable looking as I needed to be. But it did, um, you know, give me some release. But other than that, self-care for me was a selfish thing. And when you tried to practice self-care, such as going golfing with friends or with your dad, I very much had a hard time of like, well, why don't you want to be with me? Because I had such an unhealthy view of self-care and taking time and space. What would you say about you on self-care? Well, I think it's interesting that you identified golf as being part of my self-care because when we first started dating and then got married, I didn't even know what the term self-care was. So I didn't have a plan. I didn't consciously say I need to do this for me, um, you know, because of my background and trauma in my childhood. Uh, I was a overachieving, very hard charging, uh, out there, uh, succeed type person. And so I was just basically on full tilt or hundred miles an hour to do what I thought was the right thing, but also that was for me to be in control uh, because of the control I didn't have in my childhood. And so there was no real thought of self-care. It was just go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And don't slow down to figure out what either that self-care would be, or I'm sure we'll get into it later, what you and I are now going through now. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, yeah, that was probably the context. Most of these talking points we're going to talk about today neither one of us had really an understanding or an application of them in our lives. And what that did is it created just more unhealthiness within ourselves, which if you're unhealthy in yourself, it's going to be very difficult to be healthy in your relationship. What we did have, and that has kept us together through these years and through these bumps is we had a great love for each other, a great commitment to that love that we, by golly, we were kind of, when we started hearing about the people that were kind of saying these things about us and kind of against us, we're kind of like, screw you, we'll show you. And I think that drove us because we're both very stubborn. We're both very competitive. And we very much came into this relationship of, I think for me, for sure. And I think even you to a degree, we're leaving that other shit behind us and we're going to create this bond and we're going to go out there in the world and be better together. And we're just going to, trudge our way through this and figure this out. And I think that commitment from the get-go, however unhealthy we were, really kind of sustained us in some of the hardest days because there have been some very difficult days. There have been. And I think uh, I would 100% agree with that. I think one of the things that happened that, um, you know, we didn't necessarily plan it this way, but at least started us down a path of us building a life with ourselves, however messy it was early and even as little as five, six years ago, yeah. <laughs> however messy it was, we got out of um, being in family shadow and went to a place where we didn't have family yeah. and we relied on ourselves, uh, Sierra on the way and then arriving yeah. we went to Medford, Oregon and regardless of how hard that was or even how unintentional it was, it was extremely 
important, I think, for us building that foundation of relying on each other, because I agree with everything that you just said, Melissa. And I guess I would add that there was always this underlying piece of me that regardless of how messy things were or what I was bringing into the relationship that was causing strife or challenge or something we had to walk through, there was that underlying part of me that really was this has to be different. There, there's a better way. There's, I mean, this woman is my soulmate and I'm committed to doing what's necessary, even though I'm not doing it right, right now, or happy with how I'm doing it right now, but there's gotta be a way to do this. And I think that was an underlying thing that helped guide me through the early pieces of just any marriage coming together and having to figure out two people come together that were separate individuals. And now you're one, but then the baggage that we brought into it as well from our trauma, there was just this underlying piece of there is a path. There's gotta be something better. Um, from a relationship standpoint. Yeah. And Brady's referring to shortly after we got married, about four months, five months after we got married, we found out we were pregnant with Sierra. And then Brady stepped away from grad school. I was finished with my undergrad and working. He said he was in grad school at the time at Washington State University, decided um, we would probably need two salaries to sustain a new family and took a job with the University of Oregon. Um, that moved us to Medford, Oregon, because he was the Southern Oregon, Northern California development. Nevada. Yes. And Nevada <laughs> development representative, more on Nevada later, um, re- representative for University of Oregon. So we moved to Medford, which is about a 10 and a half, 11 hour drive from his parents, which had a very heavy influence on us early on, you know, six to seven away hours away from mine, who I was um, not in contact with at the time. Well, it became estranged with, yeah, estranged when, with we were in Medford. for 10 years while we were in Medford. And um, while we were in Medford. yes, yes, absolutely. And then another 12 hours away from Mike and Annie Fells, who really became an adoptive parent role in my life. So we were really on our own in that space for almost two years. And I would say that set the groundwork that we needed. I, I wonder, and we will never know if we'd stayed close and not created that space where we were so dependent, not dependent on each other in a healthy way, but just like, there's no one here to come to bail us out or give good or bad advice. We got to figure this out together. And that really created that bond. I think that really um, gave us the foundation we needed for all that was to come, because even at that point, we didn't fully understand all that was to come. Um, We we really, we really, we were pretty young and naive at that point. And when we reference all that was to come, um, we're going to talk about that, but only, you know, only in a way that we feel comfortable with. I I came up in a very um, emotionally, mentally, um, traumatic home, um, both with parents that didn't have a lot of good, healthy self-care relationships, identity with themselves, as well as the role the Mormon relationship played in that. And so, um, there was a lot of trauma within that, that was started at a very early age, starting when I was probably four or five. Um, Brady, do you want to give some context that you're comfortable with to yours? Yeah. Um, and this has been my journey the last year and a half and working through it, but um, had always known and a lot of what drove me to be overachieving um, uh, was sexually abused by my oldest brother um, from age four to seven and then sexually abused by two strangers after that up to age 10. So 
had been sexually abused from age four to 10, uh, had never dealt with it. Um, there was a lot of rage and shame and guilt that was driving my overachieving, being a really successful college athlete, and achieving in grades in college. I wanted to be uh, the youngest AD in the nation. I mean, that type of motivation, uh, all fueled by me not addressing and dealing with uh, the trauma, the pain, the hurt, the shame, the guilt, and the rage um, of my childhood experience that way. And carry the secret around until this past summer. I carried that secret for 49 years uh, rather than my hot babe knowing. Um, Family did not know and shared that secret with the family this summer. So it's been a growth summer between july to now and and all that entails and letting that 49 year secret out yeah and the interesting thing about that is you know and i think this really started our bond of trust too is brady shared this information with me probably about three months into our dating relationship um which with all of his holding that back and not sharing that i think that really established a bond of trust and i think and to a certain degree it was probably a little bit of a test to see how i would handle that Um, to see whether this relationship could have any legs to it. Would you say that was true or, or was it just a a portion of it? True. Um, You always say that, but the way I mostly process it is that I was finally felt like I was in a safe space and safe Mm -hmm. with you that I could tell you, I think I believe that I had to tell you fairly early on to see if you wanted to stick around. But the very first part of that was being feeling safe enough and, me having a strong enough relationship that I knew that this could or would be the one. And so I wanted to share that to see if it was going to be something that we could deal with. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point there too, is this for us, our relationship starting out as much as we went through some bumps was the first place both of us felt safe. I'd come out of a very um, mentally and emotionally abusive relationship for three and a half years prior to that. I very much grew up in an environment where performance for love was the theme. Um, there was a lot of words saying I was unconditional love, but there was no actions to go with it. Um, this was the first person in place that I, he was the first person that loved me unconditionally. Outside, I have some key friends, but friendships are different. And we'll, we'll you get to meet some of those friends in a couple of weeks. But within this kind of a relationship, this context, this intimacy level, he is the first one that ever unconditionally loved me. So there was definitely that safety between us, which again, I would add to you, gave us what we needed to, to weather the storms that hit us. We just had that early sense of trust and safety. Um, yeah. And for me, um, you know, a couple serious relationships in high school and I just cringe at the poor women that I did date because I know I wasn't (laughs) available emotionally and all the rest and looking back on it, but some serious relationships in high school, but only a couple. And then in college, really pretty much the complete opposite. I mean, nothing I'm proud of, obviously, but Melissa knows this story and my girls know this story. I mean, again, all of this rearing its ugly head. I mean, at one point I was dating eight different women in one semester that's not healthy. I had no clue why I was doing that. And it certainly was completely unfair to those women. But I mean, that's where I was in college. And then so to come into this relationship and know fairly early, if not instantly, it was different. 
and that it was special and that um, it was one that had that potential. I mean, I think that's why I, I went down the road within three months that I went down with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. To all of that. So from a self-care standpoint, I, there was a turning point for us. We started seeing our daughters um, in their twenties, start doing some work in self-care. And we, you know, we're far enough along to know that this wasn't something, you know, I had spurts of it. I, I really try, you know, I tried to maintain working out. I tried to make sure that I had, you know, coffee dates with friends and, but really nothing intentionally deep. It was all pretty like taking time, doing something I wanted to do, but not real deep, meaningful, restful, rejuvenating long-term self-care. And, you know, that has an effect on relationships in terms of martyr complex. I'm always the one giving all my time to the family. I'm always the one doing this. I'm always the one doing that. And, and that caused a lot of, you know, friction over the years. But we kind of came to a point, you know, a couple of years ago, and really the pandemic brought it to light where if we want this relationship as the girls are growing on to really be as healthy as it can be, it's time for us to deal with our stuff, both as individuals and, and as a couple. And that led to some very difficult conversations and scary conversations that we didn't really know where it was going to lead us, but we just knew for ourselves and, and in fairness to this relationship that we had to feel better, be better, do the work. Would you say that's accurate? Are you talking about the recent conversation or last, whatever it was, a year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that has come through before that. I mean, we'll kind of flash forward into where we are now, which True. is, um, I think, the result of, yes, our daughters showing us the way, uh, the result of our characteristics that we brought into this marriage to stay committed and to um, be devoted and all the rest. Um, but the growth that we've done individually over for me last year and a half and you a little more than two yeah just uh, just over two just over two and then what that has meant for our marriage which at first as we you know as i got into counseling and i uh, was going through what i was going through and almost kind of catching up with you uh, we had some really hard conversations at the beginning of you know three months into my counseling mm -hmm. as i really started to dive into it in conversations that I think are good for us to share here. I don't know if you want to do it now or later, but I mean, I think that's the kind of our next journey and farther down the path, not end result yet because we aren't there, but uh, in between, um, you know, so much occurred from us being in Medford to where we are now that, there's a, a lot to cover that way too, but I would 100% agree that once we got into counseling here in Lubbock and three months into me getting into counseling, we had at least one extremely difficult conversation that quite frankly, you and I have talked about this where we don't think a lot of couples surviving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, and we'll get into that more through some different talking points. So, yeah, so for self-care, I think sometimes people get into relationships and you get into marriage, you're like, okay, we're together now. We do everything together. And you still have to make time for that self-care to be the best self for that relationship. You still have to make that space, that quiet time. Sunday afternoon is my quiet time, my quiet space. I don't answer the phone. I'm not on social media. 
I watch what I want to watch. I do what I want to watch. And I do it with myself. Sometimes I do things with Brady. If he's home, a lot of times he's golfing during that time, but it's okay for me to do that. He golfs twice, you know, a week. And so making that space where we can fill up and do things that we care about so that we can come back to the relationship with the energy that it deserves. And it's not selfish to take that time. And it's good for you to take that time. Yeah. And I would say, I think we're just now putting those in place yeah. over the last year and a half. Yeah. If we look at the marriage, sure. um, we're not having that insight or vernacular to talk about self-care and be a healthy self-care because you know, to a degree or by definition, I might've been doing self-care, but a lot of my things were unhealthy that I was doing mm-hmm. through uh, certainly the early to mid part of our marriage. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't have uh, individual self-care packages back then, um, which caused strain yeah. for both of us. And I think that would be a major thing I'd want to share with your audience is there's no better time to start that than now, wherever you're at, regardless of if you're 30 years into a relationship like we are in a marriage, or if you're just starting out, yeah. Um, or if you're thinking about, you know, we've got a daughter and a great young man who are getting fairly serious. And if they're thinking about marriage, start talking about this stuff now. I would encourage that for any couple that's. Starting to get serious to talk it out beforehand. Um, Not that our girls need much direction at all in this area, but, you know, our oldest daughter and and son-in-law, Tim, I mean, they do a great job of this. And they started it very early in their marriage, if not before when they were dating. So there's no, I mean, any time is a great time to start this. And, you know, the more and more I think about it and work through it, you know, I'm not as disappointed or upset that we didn't do it earlier. We were doing what we could do with the knowledge and skills that we had at the time. But from the standpoint of seeing the value of being able to do that much of it in our marriage, oh goodness, yes, absolutely. Rapid fire. And I, I and I want to do these in context of things that we enjoy doing together in our marriage. Five activities that nourish us. Um, so five between us or five each? I think five each. I, I would say okay. we love to travel together. Well, so you're going to steal some of mine. You're going to go first and steal mine. Well, that's my first one. Oh, we're going to ping pong? Yeah. Okay. I would 100% agree travel together. Um, I would say um, on a somewhat regular basis, might be once a month or so, uh, not get out of bed. Yes. Stay in bed for a Sunday. We do. We have bed days. We discovered those, what, a year ago? It'll be a year ago in February. I think February of 2021 was our first bed day. Oh my gosh. We love bed days. I love bed days. We love it. So yes, taking that time, just we're just in bed all day. We watch Netflix. We do journaling separately together. We read, we sleep. DoorDash, order in. Yeah, order in. Yeah, no cooking. There's no cooking that day. No showering. That's wonderful. Bed days are wonderful. We also really enjoy concerts and music. I would say and music for us is huge um, and was a big sustainer of ourselves through a lot of our journeys. And is a, really a way we express ourselves individually and collectively. Mm-hmm. I would say how we nourish ourselves is to be in contact with our kiddos. Mm-hmm. Um, both individually, but as a fam, yeah. uh, regular contact now that they're spread out over all over the country. Yeah. Um, that's, a, I think, a huge nourishment piece for us. 
And then we also enjoy good food together. We enjoy mm-hmm. going out to a good restaurant with a great atmosphere and vibe, have some good drinks. That's something we really enjoy. And we enjoy cuddling. We enjoy cuddling. Yeah, from day one. It was one of the first things that met Kristen identified as like, Bernie will be a great cuddler. Yes. Um, and this is more than five, but cannot be missed. We are big sports fans. We love college football. We love college basketball. We love college baseball. Major League Baseball. We love Major On a League journey baseball. to hit all 30 stadiums. Yes. How many do you have? I have more I than you. I think I only have six left. Yeah, I've got Have a lot more than that. Brady's hit a lot of stadiums. So, yeah, that's a big thing that we found to find nourishing. A big thing for us that has been a nourishment in our marriage has been driving. I feel like that's mm-hmm. subsiding a little bit, mostly because probably we're so isolated here that the yeah. drive is long, but we've had no problem. And even more than that, we've actually looked forward to a lot of our cross country drives. Yeah. People think we're crazy for where we drive to. People cannot believe the hours and places and amount of time we spend driving. Spokane to Long Island and back, Chicago yeah. to Florida, Spokane to Dallas and back. New York to North Carolina and back a lot. Yeah, we've done that I a lot. I feel like that's subsiding a little bit well, we as tend we to, get older. But, it has been. I probably don't enjoy it as much, but we've done a couple of Texas to California trips over the last three or Colorado. four of those up to Colorado. And within that, we build in the music. So we find our favorite playlists. I mean, and food. I, and food. We build in the music and the food. So we kind of combine that into a lot of the things that nourish us. And I would say some of the girls' best memories with us are the music, the food, and the travel together that we've had. There's certain road trip songs that, you know, that they they want to hear because that was a memory from childhood that we did together a lot of time on the road. And, and it also the, got me into their music. It did. It great. And Brady's much more current than I am that way. Mm-hmm. I like, I like what I like, but he brings me along. But so, yes. Okay. So five words on how we want to feel the next six months. Uh, I would start with um, complete. Yeah, complete. complete. I would say um, content slash at peace. Um, thriving, vibrant. Mm, yeah, joyful. Yes, one million percent. Yes, I'm joyful. Playful. Oh, I like that. Yes, definitely. yeah, that's Let's definitely that. one that we are both working on. I think that Brady. With the girls and in environments, this probably comes more naturally to him than me. Yeah, he's always been the fun parent. Yeah, but I need that safe space with the girls to do so. When we talk about playful, just for me being playful on my own. Yeah, that's a whole other thing you do. You absolutely struggle with that. And for me, playful was just never something that was encouraged or it was a waste of time. It wasn't productive. I needed to be responsible. I didn't, I correlated playful with not being responsible. Right. For you, for me, it's me not being worthy of being playful. Oh, yes. Yes. Of giving yourself that time. So yeah, 100% on that. Prioritize self-care in your life and what that looks like for each person. And I think for many young couples, the excitement of getting married and we love each other and we want to be together all the time. And you, because you're so excited to be together you kind of don't necessarily prioritize the self-care early on until you're like, Oh my gosh, this is driving me crazy. If I don't get five minutes to myself, I'm going to cry, but you don't want to make your partner feel bad because you love them so much. So talk about that and how you guys have worked that out. 
So I, the thing that, uh, comes up for me and with this question, I think is at the beginning of our relationship, I remember we, and luckily caveat of just generally everything we're going to say is not prescriptive. So before I even dive into this, it's like (laughs) our experiences, we've been afforded a lot of privilege and tools and resources. Um, and so our experience, there might be helpful things, but also we understand that not everyone has the, the opportunity to have gone through what we've gone through and some people have more and some people have less. So just our our asterisk on like what we're going to talk about, we've been really privileged, um, and, and given a lot of tools and not everyone has those tools and that's okay. Um, but hopefully something, you know, some part of our experiences resonates with everyone, but I think going into the relationship, both of us had individually asked a lot about what we needed for self-care and rest and, um, taking care of like our emotional health. We've mm-hmm. been on pretty significant journeys individually before meeting even really, um, and before dating. And even so, um, it was still like needed to really be t- talked about and dived into. But when, because of those personal journeys, we, at the beginning of our relationship really started to talk a lot about what rest and self-care looked like for one another, um, for ourselves personally, for, uh, each other and really defining those needs even further, um, at the beginning of our relationship. So I think I remember like sitting down and us driving somewhere and talking about like both of us are each of our love languages, like one of the top ones is quality time. Mm. But for Tim, when you say quality time, he like, he means quality. Like if it's a good two minute conversation, awesome. Like that is quality time for me. I meant quantity time so, like, <laughs> We could spend, you know, an entire evening together and then go into the weekend, going into the weekend. And he could, you know, maybe ask for some time to himself or something or ask to schedule something else with somebody else. And I would be like, but we haven't gotten any time together. Um, and so it was, I think really us defining for ourselves and each other, like, what do you mean by quality time? Um, what do you mean by alone time? What do you mean by, and really asking that of ourselves as well. Like, what do I actually need here? Um, to try to understand the partner better. And then that way, support them when needs came up and not taking it personally. So when Tim was like, I need alone time and it actually has nothing to do with you, Sierra, has nothing to do with how I feel about you, how much time I want to spend with you and kind of trying to hash that out and dig into what self-care meant for each of us so that I could hear him say, I need alone time, or that was enough time for me. And he wouldn't, I wouldn't take that personally as like, it's not that Tim doesn't want to spend time with me. He just needs alone time or vice versa. When I was like, I'm craving more time. Tim understood that's not Sierra, not like not getting enough from me. That's just her being a quantity time person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's what comes up. And this is really us asking for ourselves and each other, like digging into those needs and communicating about them so that a sense of empathy and understanding could happen. So that when the other person asked for self-care moments, it was like, yeah, you go, go for it that's awesome. I like, or I understand, or like that actually hurts my feelings a little bit. Can we talk about it a little bit more? Mm -hmm. And just having really clear communication there. 
yeah, um, yeah. is kind of how we started off early on and then continued and it changes in every season. Self-care mm-hmm. is like totally different for us this season than it has last season. So just keeping that line of communication open and yeah. communicating yeah. those needs. Yeah. And I think like one undergirding principle inside of that is some of the language that we've adapted is listening to your inner voice and understanding internal self narratives where Mm -hmm. not always, but often we kind of know what's good for us or we know what's even sometimes intuitively might be good for our partner since we're in such close physical and emotional proximity that as Sierra was mentioning, having the wherewithal to first be asking yourself, you know, what do I want? What do I need? Um, what do I believe about myself? What, what, what am I worth even in regards to self-care as an example? So kind of as an expansion of understanding your internal self narratives, whatever you believe about yourself and then bilaterally your partner, um, your practice of self-care will, in, in my, in our experience and my experience will, will expand from that. So I think in up, up in this really, in this relationship at this point, it's been a lot of taking the um, it's almost transcending time, but taking the wherewithal to understand internal self narratives um, to gauge what do we need. And then yeah, like yeah. Sarah said, awesome, you know, of for both doing that simultaneously in our way that I can surely empathize with a way that might be different. Um, but I understand and respect and appreciate anyone but specifically my like life partner um, mm-hmm. that wants good for themselves and knows and hears from themselves what they need um, it makes the externally facing self-care practice make a lot more sense in the grand scheme of things yeah well and i think too i mean when you're young when you haven't had a partner before sometimes you've got to kind of feel your way through it as you come together because you didn't know that you needed that thing because you never had to make a decision about it before. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, that was a huge part specifically for me of, and I think we talked early on in our relationship, this idea of like a life partner, a supportive, healthy life partner is this amazing person that also is kind of like a mirror reflecting back on you Mm -hmm. because you've been walking through life on your own at that point. I mean, I've been on teams and I have family, but it's different. It's a Mm -hmm. a different kind of level of intimacy and communication and things like that, that it was all of a sudden like, well, I'm used to just doing what I want to do. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and I don't need to, like, I'm not scheduling with anyone. I don't need to communicate why I need those things to anyone. I don't even always need to ask myself why I need those things. Mm-hmm. I just do them. Yeah. And it all of a sudden became this really cool and good process of like heightened self-awareness because all of a sudden it was like, well, I need this thing and I feel this thing. Uh, and now I have this person I'm doing life with that I want to communicate to them what it is I need and, and want mm-hmm. um, because I love them and I care about them. but my decisions now affect them too. And so I think it it wasn't an obligation thing by any means, or it wasn't this weird, like I have to tell Tim what I need, but it was more this, like, I love this person. So when I need something uh, that affects them or time we spend together or how I'm, but you know, behaving or feeling, I want to be able to communicate it to them 
but that means I have to sit down and really ask myself those things. So I think, um, it was this really interesting process of like being in this intimate partnership is almost like a, you learn so much about yourself. And in my experience, I learned so much about myself because it was like a mirror reflected back of, I kind of had to break down all this subconscious competence I had about myself. Like mm-hmm. I knew what I needed when and why, sure. maybe, but I hadn't had to articulate it before. So yeah. it was now this practice of articulating it, which made me understand myself so much more as well. Yeah. Um, but in order to kind of communicate that to my partner. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's well said. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, name five activities that nourish you together as a couple. Number one is being outside, adventuring, road tripping, that kind of stuff. Two, (laughs) foods and coffee places. Three, playing games together, specifically nerds and bananagrams. And food and coffee. Know everybody at it. (laughs) (laughs) We've met our matches and some people, but. (laughs) Um, Number four was um, dreaming and reflecting together, Mm -hmm. just getting to talk about all the things it could be. And all things that have been and all things that are. Yeah. Number five, um, seeing each other independently thrive and go after what they want. So I think like when I come home from work and I'm stoked on what I did that day or Tim roasts a new coffee and is so excited about it, seeing each other, uh, like having each other come home and tell one another about that experience is really nourishing for both of us. Okay. So this is a total side note, but you guys will appreciate this. So Tim's going to be roasting again. And no one is excited, more excited about that than Brady Crook, because <laughs> as much as we, so we've been buying coffee from Monmouth, Monmouth, we love you. Please don't take this the wrong way. If you're all out there listening, but he, he's drinking his coffee in the morning. He's like, so what do you think of this Monmouth coffee? I'm like, it's, it's, it's fine. It's good. I like Monmouth. He goes, it's not as good as Tim's. <laughs> Such a sad little man. <laughs> So, so when we come at Christmas, we're going to bring another suitcase to take all the coffee that you're roasting at the new place home. I love that. <laughs> all right. So I had to mention that because I was like, oh, yeah, I have to tell him about this. Okay. Five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Number one is rejuvenated. Two is grounded. Three is positively challenged. Four is feeling lighter. Mm. And five is creative. Okay. Um, how to prioritize self-care in your life and what it looks like for you? Because I would, you are all, all of us, all four of us are human givers. It's, it's what we do. It's in our DNA. It's probably what we're drawn to each other. We are very inherently human givers. Um, human givers become martyrs and bitter and frustrated and irritated when they don't take the time to fill themselves up to free their minds, to put time in ourselves. We've believed the false narrative for many years. I think that, you know, filling that ourselves up is selfish. We have to keep giving. And, and, and I think we're, we've all learned in our own various ways, sometimes the hard way that if we, that that's actually not true, that if we actually take the time to care for ourselves and fill back up, it's then that we can be our best version of ourselves for ourselves and for our people and what we were created to be. So talk about that. Any one of you jump in. You all have stories about this. Well, I think that um, for me, um, you know, exercise is, uh, is a priority. Um, spending time 
um, doing my daily devotions. Um, that's really important. Um, I, I didn't, I don't know that I realized this until the lab, maybe the spending time with my friends is, is a priority for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, and I think there are times when I felt bad for that, yeah. like going to coffee with somebody or whatever, and that I was taking time away from doing something productive at home or whatever. But, but, um, I listened to Megan Banstone's um, podcast and, um, I thought, and she said that, you know, spending time with her friends was a priority for her. And I was like, yes, that is, (laughs) that is true for me too. Um, so definitely those things, um, you know, and it's just not my, friends, but you know, my family too, and spending time with David and, um, my husband. And, um, so yeah, I think, um, those, those things, those three things are probably the biggest for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I've always felt that, um, I think a lot of us watch maybe our, our parents and our moms. And I think I saw my mom wear herself thin Mm -hmm. and not have time for relationships. You know, my mom and my dad didn't even have time for their relationship because he was working overtime at his job. And then he had a business he was running on the side and mom was taking all the extra trips she could take on when she was a school bus driver. They ran themselves ragged. I mean, after retirement, my mom looks back at her journals. She's like, I read the journal. And she's like, I just don't know how we did. I, I don't know how we survived. I just don't know how it happened. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And I think that, um, I did see that. And I, and from a, uh, I mean, early on in our marriage, I think we really focused on, on spending time together. When we had kids, we knew dating was really important, even even though we had kids. So date night was super important. So I think that I have carved those things out. Um, time with friends for me personally, like around here is very important. Um, but then also there's the physical part, you know, which when, with my health issues, I had to realize that sleep for me is very important. Yeah. And that feels very selfish because what it ended up meaning, I got to a point where I realized I can't get up with my kids and see them off to school. Mm-hmm. because the doing that makes me have no energy in the afternoon. Cause they, they were getting up so early, really early, but I wanted to see them off. But it was when, um, one thing about, uh, COVID is we had to sleep, right? I was a new person. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, an, I don't have to nap every afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, that's a big deal. So that became a thing. I'm like, I'm going to be a better mom in the afternoon. Um, if I can get the sleep. So off you go. You're a big girl. <laughs> and, you know, it was, but selfishly, it's like, it's my last kid. I want to see her or whatever. But um, anyway, sleep was super important. Um, for me, I had to realize, you know, since I was a, an athlete, um, I realized when I was a stay at home mom and I wasn't working and I wasn't an athlete, um, I was missing competition. Mm-hmm. And I started playing tennis on a tennis team where we competed. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is me again. I feel me. And so that became something that I have to do. That's a big self-care thing is doing that. Um, Cause not only is that like the physical part, so you get exercise and it's that emotional part for me, competing is part of who I am. And then there was also the social. I'm very fortunate. I've been with uh, the same group of women for almost 10 years on and off um, that we, that we play tennis. We're not just a tennis team that we play together. They're the people there that, you know, when my dad passed away, they sent this amazing arrangement and 
they take care of you. And, you know, we do that for each other. And, and there's women who have gone before me with the empty nest and they're, they can help me along and tell me it's going to be okay. And, you know, so we, um, we take care of each other that way. And that's been very important. And I, so I've prioritized that in my life, no matter what's going on, because it's, it tackles so many things, Mm -hmm. you know, for me. So, um, those are some of the kind of the, I highlight things. There's lots and lots of other things I could talk for many, (laughs) talk a lot because, you know, six or seven years, I've learned a lot about those self-care things that are important, but, um, and I've been very fortunate because Tim's been very supportive of that, which I know sometimes women don't have that. So he's very supportive of what I've needed to do to get healthy. Um, and so it's taken that pressure off because a lot of people, their family, husband, kids, they don't want to give them that space. And I've been very fortunate that my family has been very understanding. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have a really supportive husband too. He's the one that will more, I mean, I'm trying to do more, but he's the one that will be like, okay, we're going to take a trip. You know, he always has to have something to look forward to always. So we've got, you know, we go, we travel a lot or, um, you know, just let's go out, let's, let's go out to dinner. Let's, you know, whatever. And he's, he's always been very good about that. Um, the one thing I think that was the hard thing for him was because I am, you know, an introvert and so need the alone time. And he has always been the extrovert, though he's become, I think, a little bit more of an introvert. So it's funny how you've been married for so long, you become kind of more like <laughs> each other. So I become a little more extroverted. Um, but he, um, for a while, is like, oh, he doesn't want to stay around the house, wants to go do things, you know? And I'm like, I love to, part of my self-care is having a day on the weekend or something where I just get to putter around the house. And he's like, oh, you know, he's, he's starting to do a little bit more, but um, he has a hard time with that, like just sitting and doing nothing. And as my son-in-law and I coined it puttering with a purpose, you know, whatever that <laughs> purpose is, but yeah, my, we were like, he, he helped me come up with that. And so it's, it's, it's what I need. I need alone time. I need to be able just to relax and stay at home if I want to. Exercise is a huge thing um, because I have chronic anxiety um, and I learn to um, just keep gutting it out, you know, for so many years, mm. which is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Mm. Um, because now I, even I don't have a, a stressful job really anymore. I still have the, um, the, uh, after effects of, you know, the having triggers. anxiety yeah. um, and being anxious when, you know, I don't need, there's nothing going on. I don't need to feel anxious, but exercise is really my key to just like get that anxiety out and yeah. be able to function and not be grouchy. Yeah. All right, ladies, we're down to the rapid fire. So um, I'd like I'm going to go. I'll just move around the circle. I'll call on you on this one. Name five activities that nourish you. Steph, five activities that nourish you. Um, Exercise, um, my daily devotional and praying, time with friends and family, gardening and being outside and reading. Amy, Uh, family and friends. Um, but on the flip side, alone time, puttering with a purpose, <laughs> camping, traveling, reading, being out in nature, especially bodies of water, exercise. And I know this is one of five. And then, you know, reading uh, my Bible, spending time with the Lord and praise and worship. Music, so. And Amy and Tony love to go on cruises. So, oh, yeah. My yeah. husband loves to go. I, I like them. I love them too, but he's like yeah. <laughs> the cruise aficionado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you ever have any questions? Just ask. <laughs> Um, Kristen, 
Uh, definitely time with Tim and the girls, um, time with friends for sure. The good friends, um, tennis for so many reasons. Um, uh, for us, we're fortunate where we live being out, being able to get on the boat and be on the water is amazing, amazingly healing to be in nature that way. Um, and then I would say like one of my little, um, like junk food kind of nourishing things like this is actually if I have a morning where I can take a nice long deep cup of coffee and snuggle my dogs. And her dogs are hilarious. They're the best. <laughs> snuggle time with Moose and Murphy and <laughs> I cannot hear her saying Moose and not laugh. It's- <laughs> oh my gosh this we'll, we'll, would... we'll put a pic in the show notes oh my gosh yes exactly <laughs> have to and brady would steal they're one of my dogs. sources news and murphy <laughs> they should have their own instagram page oh my gosh um all right five words on how you want to feel the next six months Kristen, we'll start with you will we now we will <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I want to feel hopeful, energetic, grateful, purposeful, and peaceful. Mm. All right, Steph. I want to feel loved, appreciated, fit, and strong, uh, empowered, and encouraged. Mm. Amy. Uh, Purposeful and impactful. Mm. I want to feel contentment and joy. Um, I want to feel motivated um, and I want to feel that I have loved others well. Mm. How to prioritize self-care in your life and what that looks like for you. And we're going to do popcorn style. You just jump in. Well, I'll start just because um, this is important to me because there was many years that I didn't prioritize my self-care. As you know, as a mom, Uh, there was a lot of time that we were sitting observing all this activity that our kids were involved in. Yeah. And I had kind of a light bulb moment. And unfortunately, at the same time, the light bulb moment came on. I I was able to free up a little bit more time in my life because I had college age kids. But my mom got sick and to the point where she really couldn't um, just her lack of strength and uh, having enough oomph and wherewithal to kind of beat this. She ended up passing away after a fall, after about a six month journey of trying to get stronger. And it was like, I, it was a light bulb moment me like, okay, I cannot allow that to happen. Not that it was a different time period for my mom. So there's no blame about her not doing that, but it just was kind of a catalyst for me to make some changes in my life. So I definitely work out three or four days a week. It can be a really active, hard class. It could be walking, um, things just to get me out in nature kind of really are good for my self care. So I firmly use that for my sanity nowadays. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Riley, how do you find a space for this? Because you're working nights right now, you poor thing. Good thing you're young. Yeah, I think this whole like concept of self care self care is like kind of becoming like more not like new, but more common and people are like recognizing the importance behind it. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like it has to be these like big things that you do. Um, it should just be something that like 
brings you rest. And I think just prioritizing like with my work schedule and how hard obviously these last like eight months have been, um, like resting for me, like without feeling guilty or without having like the connotation of like, Oh, if I like lay on the couch for a couple hours and like catch up on some like really crappy television that that isn't (laughs) like lazy. That's like totally okay for me to do. Mm -hmm. So I think taking that side of it out of it has been like just really helpful for me and not having like the guilt behind just like having a full day of just like hanging out. Yeah. It's totally okay. Cause it makes me feel better. Like on my days off and then I'm like more rejuvenated. Like when I go back to work for my patients and yeah, such. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you, and you want to be there. I mean, I think you made a really good point. Find that thing that works for you. I think sometimes we get stuck in these oh, I have to do the yoga or I have to run or I have to do, you know, I have to meditate or, and those things are, I you do all those things, but find that thing that works for you, whether it's a walk in nature or gardening or whatever. I mean, some people don't want to be outside. That's well, stick your head out in the sun because the vitamin D is good for you, but just find that thing that works, that feels good and don't feel guilty about it. Absolutely. And then I think Eileen too, I think something that our generation, I think we, I had this conversation with my, in my friend's podcast episode when I was recording the other day, our mom's generations didn't really have that concept or weren't even given the permission, you know? And so I think our generation, I think we are realizing we're seeing the ramifications of that. And we're like, okay, we need to stop this. And we're catching it now. Whereas you all, you ladies in your twenties and getting close to 30, you know, you're realizing it now. No, we're going to go earlier even (laughs) than, you know, than mom did. So, all right. Ellie, teacher. I think, yeah, going off of what Riley said, I read somewhere, I think it was earlier this week actually, but this idea of like rest kind of being like a guilty pleasure kind of thing, but really mm-hmm. it's a necessity to be, you know, a functioning human. Yeah. Um, and also what Riley said, like little things, like I'm a very much an introverted person. So like mm-hmm. just being alone is mm-hmm. self-care for me. Sure. And it's kind of funny now, like my husband and I, he's working from home full time and that started at the beginning of COVID. Um, but we were together in a one bedroom apartment for like the first year of COVID. Oh, and gosh. I was teaching and like home. your marriage. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, oh. our first year. So much. <laughs> we made it out alive. We're still together. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just like little things where I was like, okay, I just need to like separate myself from any type of like social interaction from anybody. Yeah. And like kind of communicating that with each other too was tough. But I mean, and now I'm back in the classroom. So I'm with people all day long, oh, kids gosh. who need things from me all day long, but my husband's at home alone. So he comes, oh, I yeah. come home, he wants to interact with me, but I'm like, no, I need like an hour to be away. Yeah. So, you know, just like little things like that. Yeah. That's a really interesting dynamic. And that I, I, I swear we could do a whole like mini series on that dynamic you talked about there. All of a sudden we're all home together. All of a sudden we're in each other's space all the time when it, our space wasn't designed for us to be home together in each other's no. space all the time. And you're learning how, and, and you're in your first time of marriage, you're learning how to communicate to your partner, what your needs are in just normal things. And then you throw that all in and it's like, I love you. You are awesome. But oh my God, if I don't get five minutes to myself, we're just, this is not, this is going to be really yeah. bad. <laughs> 
my head's going to blow. I mean, we just, (laughs) and and it has nothing to do with you. It's just, so even just learning how to communicate that in normal circumstances and then throw in all those Mm -hmm. dynamics. And then, yeah, because I was on the flip side. my, My work stayed at home for 15 months. We just went back last June into the office. Brady was only home for three months, but we had a three month period where Kylie and Courtney were home. Kylie and I and Brady were all working from home. Courtney was the only one leaving the house to go to a coffee shop to work. Oh my God. (laughs) And we bought this house in Lubbock for everyone to come visit, not to come live and work out of. So uh, we, all these spaces we had to create and we have the full gamut of people in our Courtney is our introvert and she needs her space. Kylie and I are more extroverts. Brady is, he's a, he's a, he, people think he's an extrovert. He's an introverted extrovert, (laughs) extroverted introvert, extrovert. That's what he is. He's that. When he has to be on for work, when he comes home, he doesn't want to be on. He doesn't just wants to go in his room and turn off the lights and turn on, watch a game or watch Netflix or something. So I, so yes, but that dynamic though of just finding the ways to communicate of like so that it doesn't get spicy because it got spicy in our house (laughs) but also too when you're learning that with each other so oh man ellie hats off to you all that is that is very interesting taylor yes i have a lot of thoughts on like the concept of self-care but i think one thing we've probably all shared as sisters is this idea of like thinking like growing up i thought of wellness. Cause I think wellness and self-care kind of go hand in hand. But like when I was younger, I thought wellness was like physical activity. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of like myself growing up, like all of us participated in all the sports, you know, like every season, everything we were doing yeah. something movement wise. Yeah. And which I love and like, I'm so thankful for that. But I think I got into this mindset of like, unless someone was telling me to run lines or like do push-ups. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like I spent like after high school was a really sharp transition for me of like thinking about physical wellness differently. Mm-hmm. And it totally went to the back burner. And so then when I think of myself in like my college undergrad and grad school, I like swung the pendulum. Like when you think of the wellness wheel, of like all these different things you can focus on, like I swung mm-hmm. all the way to like spiritual wellness and like got really invested in like systems and structures of like faith-based mm-hmm. practices, which was a gift. And I'm thankful for that time. But also I think I'm, a, I'm in a point in my life of kind of deconstructing some of those things as well. The back yeah, of the so, conversation, you and Sierra can talk a lot about that. Yeah. And I think Sierra and I have similar like mindsets and perspectives on those things, but yeah. su- a gift. But this time, I think post COVID has forced me to think about holistic wellness mm-hmm. in its wholeness rather than these yeah. parts. Yeah. Um, and so like, unlike my sisters, I am an extrovert and I get my <laughs> energy from being around people and mm-hmm. When I, so that was one self-care for me. Like I was an open book. I processed my life with everyone. Yeah. And I'm now learning that I have a lot of, I don't want to say trauma, but like, I just have a lot of like beef with some things that I just, you know, like processing with groups of people. Which, sure. Yeah. And so now I'm looking at self-care as routine because when COVID shut the whole world down, like I was in this little house and I have found so much joy in mm. pursuing deep, deep, deep relationships with a handful of people. Mm. And, um, it has been a gift to want to cook it has been a gift to find an exhale, 
like an exhale and joy in moving my body, whether that was like for a long time, these high intensity workouts at orange theory. And now it's like, I I do cycling with Peloton and that has been a gift. And so it's like, I'm trying to look at self-care as the whole rather than swinging the pendulum one side to the other. And I think that's how I live my life. Like I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm really excited about this thing right now. And then it's this thing the next day. And that has been exhausting. And so I, I'm trying to just find my level ground in like wellness in every part of that, that wheel, I guess you can look at it. So yeah, it's, it's been a battle and I, and I have not figured it out. (laughs) We're at neither. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of like, you know, especially like my sisters and I, and my mom, like we have very different ways of looking at the world and like finding our fullness, enjoying things. And that is such a gift to be able to see how different we all are, Mm -hmm. but move through the world in very different ways, but all get to, I guess, healthy outcomes, I guess. Sure. Because it all, you found those spaces that work for you Yeah, and and you respect that of each other. Yeah. I understand that we've got a similar dynamic going on with ours too. All right. Up here with a rapid fire. Um, we'll just go around to each of you and we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll start with Eileen on this one and just go through birth order. Um, name five activities that nourish you. So um, these are in no certain order. Exercise, hard sweating exercise now is really nourishing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, time with my girlfriends or my daughter's coffee dates. That's what I miss the most about having them not in my same yeah. city. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll be able to see each more with traveling and stuff. Yeah. Um, nature, Priest Lake, mm-hmm. hikes, um, being out on the water, exploring the lake, just the, the beauty of outside. A little piece of heaven. Great conversation with my, I have an incredible book group that meets mm. every once a month that just a diverse group of women um, that I just love to bounce things off of. We we talk about the book, but we also talk about life in general. And yeah. I get a lot of nourishment from them. Yeah. And then the fifth one is alone time. Just realizing that there's, like my kids said, there's nothing wrong with needing alone time. And yeah, I take advantage of it when I need it. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. All right, Ellie. Um, Mom, you have my list. <laughs> <laughs> Being literally almost the exact same order too, which is so weird. So, but yeah, being active, um, being outside, um, alone time, but usually I spend that time like reading or listening to music. Mm -hmm. Um, more recently, like cooking or baking, just Mm -hmm. following the steps seems to be, you know, kind of therapeutic. Yeah. And then, um, oh, spending time with like, yeah, my core group of friends. Yeah. Like just small group. Yeah. yeah. For a limited amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your alone time too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. Taylor. Um, mine are cooking. I've been loving cooking like new meals lately. Mm. Um, getting outside. Um, the third one would be spontaneity. So just like getting in the car, driving somewhere or, you know, just like trying out a new restaurant, like just Mm. things that aren't planned. Like I love having things not planned. I'm not much of a planner. Um, the fourth one would be traveling to like Mm. seeing new places or seeing old friends. Mm. Um, and the fifth one would be, yeah, activity, like physical activity. Okay. All right. And Riley. Think we're related. (laughs) (laughs) Um, reading, 
like wine night with friends, binge watching anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd add that to mine too. Priest Lake and then being around any type of animal. Okay. okay. All right. And then we're going to do in reverse order. So Riley, you're going to get to go first for the first time today. I think I didn't do a very good job of balancing that for you. All right. Five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Um, loved, uh, rejuvenated, rest, content, and excited. Very good. Taylor. I'm going to say, um, thankful, present, well, I think I, my friends are asked, I just recently turned 20 and my friends are asking me about like, um, what do you want to focus on this year? And it's just like moving my body out of like thankfulness and joy and like being mm. thankful that I can move. So I think there's a lot that's that well component. Yeah. Um, the fourth one would be challenged. Mm. And then the fifth one would be joyful. Okay. Mm. All right. Ellie. Loved slash seen slash heard. Mm. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, healthy mind and body. Um, connected, like making memories with people, mm. embracing the unknown and open-minded. Mm. Good. All right. So, Eileen, bring it home. So I, I kind of focused on the word R and I'm not really sure why, but I, <laughs> I could recharge. Okay. Reduce in that meaning, reduce um, distractions. Maybe mm. even I feel like i I scroll a lot on social media. Yeah. Reduce yeah. that time zapper for me. Right. Um, read more. Mm. I find that because of social media, I don't actually sit down and actually absorb a great book like I used to love to do. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's three. Also, um, on that reduce was also just getting, I, I function really well in a, uncluttered environment so that reduce would be to just go through the house and maybe get rid of some things that just are taking up space in lots in more ways than one maybe yeah yeah and then uh, the last one is adventures with my daughters I, that's what i'm missing we had we, we used to be able to have the freedom of just hopping in the car and going seeing ellie and staying with her and now we we, we have to ask more questions is it safe is it you know, a good time to, for you guys with Tony. And so that's what I'm looking for. Adventures with my daughters. Yeah. Very good. Talk to me how you prioritize self-care in your life and what that looks like for you. And I think that's taken on even more of a new meaning for you in this last couple of years with all of these transitions and changes and teaching and getting married and, and have, having to move so many things and graduating all of this in this last crazy couple of years. So um, never would self-care ever become more valuable. So talk to me about that. Yeah, I think as I was kind of thinking about these things, I was like, where did I initially think about self-care? And I feel like the biggest thing that you see is like kind of in movies and TV shows. And when yeah. you see people are, you know, having a bubble bath, like a glass of wine or a face mask. And so- to me, I feel like a lot of times that's what I thought self-care was. It's mm. like taking a bubble bath, which don't get me wrong. And I'm going to talk about this on things that <laughs> me, but I, I do love that time. But I think just learning that it's not always about caring for your physical body, 
but obviously so it's deeper and the layers that you have in caring for your mental health and your emotional health and your spiritual health. And so I think I've been learning so much about what self-care really is and that it can look Mm. different, you know, at different times of your life, but also just to reach all the different needs that you have. Um, And so, you know, sometimes I do want to have the bubble bath and I do need to just sit and, you know, kind of just have alone time. But I also have learned and my dad has taught me a lot about active rest. Mm. Oh, I like that. I love that term. That that is his term. And I tell you, he used to tell me and I was like, please stop talking about this. Like, I (laughs) don't get it. And I'm starting to understand what he means by it. Because, you know, it's easy when life is really busy and it is really busy for me. I feel like I'm used to it being really busy that, you know, sometimes things can feel like a burden, like Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, have dinner with my friends tonight. And, you know, instead of saying like, I have to do something, it's like, I get to do something. That's always another thing that he says. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously having dinner with your friends is not something that should feel like a burden, but sometimes when you're so busy, it's like, Oh man, I just really wish I could stay home tonight and just relax. And so I've been learning that I can actively rest and I can be away from the home and I can still feel very much grounded and at peace, especially, you know, with the certain people in your life that you spend the time with. Sure. Um, And so just kind of learning that aspect of what self-care can look like and, you know, it can be with other people and having those conversations and I'm such an external processor. (laughs) So sometimes I need to just get it out. Yeah, I don't want someone to try to fix it for me. I just want to let them listen, which is a whole deeper thing, you know, but um, kind of just like being able to identify what I need and allowing myself to be like, okay, how am I feeling? You know, what could I do to help myself change this feeling or adapt to the situation and just learning from there? So I think asking myself those questions has helped me figure out what self-care will look like in whatever situation I'm in. Yeah, I love that. I love how you've differentiated that out and talked about it. It's not the same all the time. It depends on how I'm feeling. So I have to analyze where I'm at and what's going to best serve me in that situation. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, that's such a good tip because I think we kind of get locked into those things, like you said, Mm -hmm. and it's not the same for everybody. And it's not even the same for us all the time. And and addressing that, so you actually get what's going to be most beneficial and helpful. Name five activities that nourish you. So I did mention bubble baths and I don't (laughs) want to say it in, you know, a cliche way, but I think just having, especially right before I go to bed, I've been learning Mm. that I need that time, you know, to take a bubble bath or take a hot shower and just have alone time. Yeah, And I used to not want alone time. I used, and I'm still very much a people person, but just having that alone time before bed, definitely is something that makes me feel nourished. Um, And then kind of like I was mentioning before with like quiet time and time in prayer, I'm trying to get in a routine, which was something that my friend and I came up with at the beach of having (laughs) a better morning routine. And so Mm. like this morning, I woke up a little bit earlier and I was able to have some quiet time. And I felt like just going into my day was just so much smoother. Yeah. Another one would be um, helping others and, making a difference in other people's lives, which is why I'm a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, another would be quality time 
which can be really difficult because I do have a lot of relationships that aren't, you know, right here. Sure. Um, but especially with Garrett, just having time, you know, we like to play games together. Or we like mm-hmm. to cook dinner together and finding that time because that's one of my love languages is quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to have that intentional time, but also um, the last thing that nourishes me is intentional conversation, which is exactly mm-hmm. what we're having. Yeah. So this conversation is so life-giving to me, you know, you're doing it for your podcast, but for me, I feel like I'm able to just process and to think about all the things that, you know, have been going through my mind. And so I'm so grateful, you know, to be able to be here and to talk about these things with you. Well, thank you. And that's why I started it. Honestly, it's life-giving for me. I mean, I've gotten to have the most amazing, intentional conversations over the last six months. And so, yeah, every time I sit down to do this, it's like, people are like, oh my gosh, how do you do that? And your full-time job. And I'm like, because this doesn't feel like work to me. This is, this is like, this fills me up. It's, you know, it's very life-giving. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. I love hearing that from from people that I'm talking with on here. Um, Nay, five words on how you want to feel the next six months. So my first one is joyful. At first I was thinking of content, but mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I don't want to just be content. I want to be joyful. Mm-hmm. And I do have a little short story about that. If we have time, Absolutely. Later, but I'll, I'll go into the other one. So one was okay. joyful. Two was confident. Three was peaceful four accomplished and five connected. Good. Oh, wow. Okay. How to prioritize self-care in your life and what it looks like for you. Cause I think that's something you you've had to learn and through some very like big challenges in your, on your emotional, physical and mental health. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's something that I, I it was interesting. So as a healthcare provider, I'm always telling people and teaching people, you know, it's like, we have to do this to take care of ourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. not to take care of ourselves. And then, you know, it's like, you know, I, I'm like, sometimes people, you know, they listen to you and it's really rewarding. They come back and you see this progress that they've made. And you, and I can't even tell you like the, the, the warm feeling that gives you, but then there's other times where it's like people, they don't want to listen to you and, you know, trying to get the root to the root of why that is, you know, in a 15, 20 minute appointment slot sometimes is just very difficult, challenging. Right. And I found myself getting frustrated, but then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, why don't I do those things myself? You know, <laughs> in, in, in a lot of respects, you know, um, mm-hmm. Growing up, I was, um, it it was a unique, we had a unique upbringing, you know, and, um, I, I never really, I was very like goal oriented, but at the same time, like I was, I was like an angry little kid. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had to, you know, and I, I feel like I spent all these years with frustration and anger and it just built up and up and up and up and I'd get into trouble in school, you know, and I just never really knew how to handle that. I never developed those coping skills. Yeah. I, I do have to give a shout out to, I will tell you the first person that really started teaching me how to like look at myself in a mirror and, and analyze how can I help myself was actually my fourth grade teacher, Miss Holaker. Mm. So um, she is the first like persons I had from a, whether it be like a coaching or a teaching environment that I felt like took an active interest in who I was, um, and really 
taught me how to identify, okay, why am I so angry? Why am I so mad? Mm-hmm. If I can, if I actually had to go to the root of it, I would say it was Miss Holliker and mm-hmm. some of the things that she started teaching me at a young age. And so as I started going through like my life, I realized that, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm working so hard to get through school. I'm working so hard to take care of patients, but I, my mental health is, you know, really taking hit for this. And, you know, and it's going to start to get total on my, my relationships with people and my, and my wife and God bless my wife. You know, my wife is my rock, you know, and she is, um, I can't even tell you how like thankful I am to have her in my life. Cause she's so calm and steadfast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I was actually out on a jog one day and it had been snowing and I was a long jog and I was just in a dark place mentally. And mm-hmm. I came back and I, and I walk into the house and I looked at my, I looked at Kendra and I said, I need some help. Like I need to do something about this. Like I'm on a jog and it's normally where I clear my head. That's my safe place. And I'm so angry and I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started my journey then and I started mm-hmm. finding some, I found someone to talk to and I found, you know, and, and the first thing I'll tell you, when you go and talk to somebody, if you go to a counselor, if whatever it may be a church, you know, a, a pastor, the first thing you have to do is go in and with the mindset of I'm going to be honest Mm. about what the issues are like a lot of times people say well i didn't make any more counseling that's because you're not really willing to face those like hard issues Mm. you know or or, you know come to terms with maybe some of my imperfections or that my flaws and things that i need to work on and so we started down that pathway and i really found that like for me taking care of myself so i was an athlete um i abruptly stopped playing sports um in college it was, it was a mistake. And I know that now, but at the time I, I couldn't see that because I saw it as a way out. Um, and I, and I can talk more about that later. I don't want to go into too much now, but, um, I needed to find a start out, find outlets. So I started riding motocross, mm-hmm. you know, and for some people, people are like, well, motocross, you know, how can that be therapeutic? How, because it started kind of appeasing, like not appeasing, but really helped me. Like it's very therapeutic in the sense when I got on that track, it's just me out there mm-hmm. and, and it's silence and it's, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you got this motorcycle rearing in your roaring in your ears and you're jumping 40, 50 feet over a tabletop, but at the same time, it's so calm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. The other aspect of it is I had to get, I had to start exercising again, mm-hmm. like on a regular basis. I say this happened when I was on a jog. I was on a very out of shape jog. Like, <laughs> it, like it, it, it was not a good one, you know? Yeah. And I find that when I do that, it's better. And then I had to start like accepting who I was mm-hmm. and how I got there. And, um, and when I started doing those things, I, I, I started finding more peace and, and I'm far from, hundred percent of the way being there. But, um, you know, I, I exercise a big part of my life. I needed to change my career path and trajectory Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. being in my children's life is probably my number one priority. It is my number one priority. And so I had to make a change there, which wasn't necessarily like the best thing for my career from a growth standpoint, but it was the best thing for our lives from a personal standpoint and watching them and having the opportunity to see them grow up. So that, and I would say, and I'm the kind of person that has to let things out. Like if I, I I bottle it up and I keep it bottled up, um, at some point in time, it's going to explode everywhere. And it's usually ugly for me and ugly for everybody around me. Um, so I would say having that outlet and somebody to talk to 
And in my career, you have to be careful about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we always talk about medical providers needing to be, you know, the rocks for everybody else, but medical providers don't really have a good outlet for themselves. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That's it's such fr- a good point. It's frowned upon it within is it's like a, it's like this unspoken thing within the community. Like I know wow. so many providers that suffer from depression and anxiety disorders and post-traumatic stress. Right. And they're too afraid to go talk to somebody because of the perception mm-hmm. of what from other people's standpoint, what that may be. So, so going to actually be able to talk to somebody for me, that was like a, a big, that was like probably the, one of the scariest moments of my life. Like yeah. I, I got to do this, but that's an important part of it. And then just, I would say overall, you know, eating healthy and just coming to terms with my past too. Yeah. Um, and, and being at, at peace with it. I don't know, kind of a rambling way to answer the question, but. No, and we'll get into all those things more of it. Yeah. It, there's a lot to that. And I think, you know, one point that's interesting to me is you work in the healthcare industry Yet I think these are some of these stigmas we have to deal with in the culture. Yet you would think they would encourage you and want you to get all the help so you you can be the healthiest version of yourself helping others. But instead, there's a fear, I think, that you'll be, you know, branded a certain way or maybe lose some privileges because you aren't seen as being well. And it's that's very interesting. That's that's a whole other conversation within itself, just within that industry. It's a sad one. I see so many of my colleagues and friends suffering with it, you know, and I would say COVID's put like a whole new strain. Absolutely. Sure. Um, You know, because we went from at the beginning of the pandemic to, you know, people calling nurses and doctors and respiratory therapists heroes to now you know, if you bring up something like, you know, the vaccine, like, mm-hmm. I, like for my job, I have to just, I had no, as a requirement, I have to ask about their vaccination status because sure. procedure, whatever it may be, sure. we need to know what are the risks for them? What are the risks for us? And we need to make sure that we explain those risks. Right. And people can become very um, upset when you start talking about that, if they have a strong feeling, for example, against the vaccine. Sure. And so that can create some hostility and yeah. I've had to really diffuse those situations too. So wow. I, my fellow healthcare providers, have, it's been, a, as it's been for so many Americans for different sure. reasons, Sure, um, I can only speak to the healthcare side of it. Right. Um, it's been a challenging time. Challenging yeah. Time. yeah. In an already challenging profession. Yeah, exactly. And I actually listened to one of your other podcasts. I can't remember. Was it Stephanie that said it or was it Amy? One of the two said that they're introverted and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very, it was Amy. It was Amy yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I thought I knew it was Amy. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, and I was, I would say that I myself am, am very introverted mm-hmm. and I have to have like those moments. Like I like to write. Yeah. And I have to have those quiet moments to myself where I can write and not, but the problem is, you know, finding that happy medium where I don't feel guilty because I'm not teaching Hazley how I just got Hazley a Stasics, which is like this mm-hmm. electric dirt bike. Yeah. Teaching her how to ride a dirt bike or teaching, you know, going out and throwing pop flies to Deacon or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But I still have to, for me to be a better version to them, I have to do those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And finding that balance, which is so important. Rapid fire. So name five activities that nourish you. These ones are going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> um, motocross. I knew that was first. Yeah. Uh, motocross. Um, wakeboarding. Uh, writing. 
So I'm actually in the process of writing a book and I've been, mm, yeah, writing. you've been doing that for a while. I have, I've changed, I've got like three different books, but this one I'm hard at. Okay. I would say, um, teaching, mm-hmm. you know, um, I really enjoy teaching. Yeah. And then I would say meaningful conversations. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and that can come out in a variety of different ways, but meaningful yeah. conversations, um, with people from all walks of life. Yeah. That's probably the coolest part of my job. Yeah. You get to, you really get to do that. That's really you do. true. You get yeah. to, I, I mean, and, and I worked in community health for a long time too. Yeah. And so, and then I worked inner city Baltimore and it, it just gave me such wonderful opportunities to talk to people from all walks of life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I think that's an important one too. When I was up in, when I worked in the, when I did my ear rotation in Baltimore, often the groups that I identified with the most and got along the best with were the kiddos and guys and gals that you would see to be a little bit rough around the edges. Mm, yeah. You know, the ones that you hear about those stereotypes. Right. You know, but for some reason, I always got along best with people that were just a little bit more rough around the edges. I don't really know why, but yeah, we connected well. Yeah. Well, just the ability to do that. And I think is a great gift. All right. Five words on how you want to feel in the next six months. Happy, fulfilled, accomplished, accomplished, not in the sense of, uh, you know, like winning a trophy. Right. But accomplished in the sense of, you know, I set out to be better at this because it was important to do so for Kendra or the kids, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's going to be funny, but efficient. That's my economic mind. Uh, efficiency means a lot of different things. Efficiently managing my time and whatever it may, whatever else it may be, if I could yeah. stop. And um, I would say loved. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, that last one's a tough one. It is the loved one in the, and the accomplished one really stuck out to me because you, despite being introverted, your relationships are very important to you. Um, they always have been. And, um, so I think there's a lot that's tied into that for you. Want to talk about that at all? Am I? No, you're right. I, I mean, I think the hard thing for me is, um, I'll use your daughters as an example. Mm Mm-hmm. I was so excited when we moved to the Tri-Cities. I thought, I thought the story about your, your samurai being covered in dust was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> uh, because I guess it's blowing a gale lot. Um, okay, convertible. Yeah. But um, so when we moved back here, I was like super excited. I was like, cause you guys were only like two hours away. And then you guys moved for mm-hmm. you know the betterment for you guys, which has been worked out. But it was kind of soul crushing to me a little bit because I was like, Oh my gosh, I finally like was close to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to have all these wonderful opportunities and then you guys moved and I was like, ah, oh, it's gone. And then I don't feel like I did a good job of continuing with the communication aspect of it. Mm. Um, like I didn't do a good job of keeping up with Kylie, Courtney and Sierra. Like I should have, mm-hmm. like, I feel like I, I felt, I feel like I failed at that. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was 
it was tough because I was sort of still getting like my feet off the ground and my life going. Yeah. And I was trying to balance all of these things. Yeah. But I feel like I really dropped the ball there. And I think I went from like being someone that was present in their life to a degree, whether it be their not necessarily physically, but emotionally to where I was absent. And, mm-hmm. um, and that one, that one was, a, that one was a tough one for me to swallow. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that I should have done a better job with. And some of that goes back to, I never brought this up, Tucker. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, uh, Tucker I thought of that earlier was Tucker's Clint's oldest son. Yeah. And he was a big part of my life for like the first, his first three years. Yeah. And suddenly he just got yanked from my life. Yeah. And, um, and I've only had minimal communication with him since, Yeah. but I didn't get to see him for years, but that one really changed me as an individual. And so I've always had this thing where like, abandonment issues almost, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I start to feel like things are kind of getting ripped away, I have a tendency to like back away yeah. to protect myself. Yeah. And I need to do a better job with those situations. Cause it's not just, I use your daughters because you know, the situation, but it, it's yeah. one of many situations like that in my life where I'm like, I need to do better at that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, I need to do well, better with even Nan and Papa. Yeah you know, and calling yeah. and calling them to make sure. Cause you know, we've had my, my, you know, uncle Brad passed away this year. Yeah. And now recently Kevin Kearney, um, that's Chris, my, our brother, his mm-hmm. father-in-law. Yeah. Two men that played a really important role in my life. Yeah. All gone in the same year, too young. Yeah. And, um, you just never know when that's going to happen. Yeah. We all have a clock and we just, we don't know when it, we don't, we never know when that's going to, when that alarm's going to go off and our time is up. Yeah. God, God knows. And that's it. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, you just got to treat every day as though it's a, it's a gift and Mm -hmm. try the best you can to do better at managing the relationships that you have and repairing the ones that you've lost. Yeah. 